Hey, drama fam. Before taking a trip to the West End in our episode today with Cassidy Jansen, I want to talk to you about how you can support our podcast in addition to listening every week. Connor and I are having a ball over on our Patreon called Patreama, where we release weekly bonus content. Your subscription of $5 a month keeps the lights on over here at Drama HQ. Are you picturing a studio all of a sudden? Wig! Click the link in our episode notes to gain access to extra episodes of Twin Talks, special guest spots, bonus content with guests, and even videos of our chats with Justin Guarini, Jackie Cox, George Salazar, and more. Please join us. Hey, Connor. Hey, Dylan. I am ready to tell you all about the awesome online platform called Broadway Plus. We love. You've obviously heard of it. They're the leading industry experts at connecting you with your favorite Broadway stars through amazing virtual experiences like meet and greets, concerts, and coaching. Can I say more? You can say, I'll, I'll, I'll take over from here. Great. Because there's lots of fun to share. You remember Taylor Louderman? Of course. Jordan Luke Gage? Duh. The Cara Lindsay? Are you kidding? And more. Okay, and more, right? The and more are drama alums and your favorite Broadway stars and West End stars who are hosting weekly workshops and Q&As for Broadway Plus. And these experiences start at only $15. That's approximately what I spend at Starbucks um, every day. Right. What am I getting there? We'll talk about it later. But listen, everyone can check out these upcoming workshops and events at broadwayplus.com backslash workshops. And of course, in the episode notes below, we can't wait to see you there. Drama. Drama. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, world. the world. And we especially are talking to someone from around the world today. That's right. I'm Dylan McDowell. And I'm Connor McDowell. I forgot I forgot what our segment is at the beginning. We haven't recorded I know. in so long. Well, things are a little different right now because this is our first time recording an episode not in the same house. Literal drama. You've abandoned me. I fled the coop as lifelong twins, pretty much lifelong roommates, give or take like college for a minute. And the first year I lived in New York, I'm officially living with my, as some like to call it, same sex partner. Uh, this is my, we're in, I'm in a very empty room, settling in with my new Wi-Fi. I'm worried the sound is going to be super hollow, but I think our listeners are just like going to love the authenticity of the oh, yeah. the moment. You're very like first apartment eating Chinese Chinese food on the floor because oh, you yes. you know all that stuff. Am I doing that whisper thing again that we hate? No, but it's it's a little NPR-ish, but I will <laughs> say people are going to tune in for this episode regardless because of our gag of a guest. But before we get there, there is true Broadway drama going on right now, and I know that a lot of people are saying, "How can you celebrate Broadway right now when it's in shambles?" And I do agree. However, this podcast celebrates theater, pop culture, love and life. Not Broadway. As as being said, we have a West End goddess today, but we are going to celebrate the arts overall. And we yes. will talk about some of the drama because this Scott Rudin stuff is absolutely crazy. 
It's crazy. I mean, and we're recording this with, with some breaking news. Late breaking, some might say. Very late breaking that I haven't had a chance to fully develop all of my thoughts on it yet. Mm-hmm. So if I don't explain everything properly, please forgive me. This is it, this literally just happened a, like a very short time ago. But anyway, the Washington Post reported that Scott Rudin, who has this this huge piece came out that he's abusive to employees, coworkers, everyone ever on the planet. He's like throwing hot potatoes and slamming computers on assistants' hands. And these are these are truths that have been around the industry for so long, but always said in whispers. Um, I suppose it's because he holds such power. Oh, yeah. You know, but anyway, the Washington Post announced, and also we condemn that behavior. He's, it's awful. But the Washington Post reported that he's going to be stepping aside or yes. stepping away from his Broadway productions, which include like To Kill a Mockingbird. Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon, the upcoming Music Man revival. Right. And so he's also allegedly going to be taking steps to address his his bad behavior, whatever that means. Like anger management, perhaps. <laughs> the thing is, he needs that, for real. Bro- I think he's broken beyond compare. When you know, when someone's 62 years old, it's, you know, old dog, new tricks. I think it's obviously great that he's stepping away. Yes. I would love for him to go away, because my fear now is, is he still financially supporting these shows that are coming back to Broadway? And obviously, you can't fault these performers who have these jobs, these livelihoods, like, you know, people in West Side Story and those other shows that I mentioned. Mormon and Mockingbird. Mockingbird. And there's isn't there going to be a Mockingbird tour that's coming out? I don't know. This is, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I feel so bad for everybody that has had to suffer through his abuse. And it just, it's awful. And I do take issue with something the Washington Post wrote, though. Speak on it. Well, in addition to everything else, which was pretty much straight news, they said, like, his absence will leave a gap in the industry for visionary leaders. And they kind of said, like, he's produced all these plays and musicals through the 90s, like over 70 productions. And it said that it's leaving a gap without visionary leaders. And I'm like, no, there are so many visionary leaders. They've just been silenced, not given opportunities. They haven't been as rich as he is to get these you know, shows with huge A-list stars to come in. I think once we clear out the dust of the Scott Rudens of the world and pave way for these literal visionary modern day artists, producers, directors, performers, Broadway is going to be an immensely better place with, with more artistic freedom and creative casting and behind the scenes cultures and environments that are more inclusive and exciting and that feel like home all the time, not just those couple times, you know, there should never be abuse, there should never be bad behavior. And of course, it's a a white man of a certain Mm -hmm. age, and he's got to go. So anyway, drama. Yeah, let's replace people like him with people like Karen Olivo. And we'll let that be. Yes, yes, we Mm -hmm. stand with Karen Olivo. But anyway, let's leave Broadway for a little bit. I, I want to leave. Let's I want to go across, the, across pond. the pond. Yes, Connor. I, I'm really excited. I'm going to do the intro today. Go for it. Because I'm, I'm really, really excited. God save the queen of the West End. Our guest today is calling from across the pond, a stage superstar who most recently starred as Anne Hathaway in Anne Juliet. For her role of Anne, our guest's extraordinary vocals and comedic chops garnered her the 2020 Olivier Award for Best Supporting Performance in a Musical, as well as a What's On Stage nomination. Our guest is a beloved leading lady, having performed as Alphaba in Wicked, closed Avenue Q as Kate Monster in Lucy the Slut, and was the final Carol King in Beautiful in London. She's even joined Carol King for concert dates in person. Like, 
Are you gagged? Oh my god. Other stage credits include Tick Tick Boom, Man of La Mancha, Chess, Candide, and Dessa Rose with Cynthia Erivo. Let that sink in, Cynthia Erivo. Alongside Beverly Knight and Amber Riley from Glee. Do you like how I'm adding all these little disclaimers here? It's kind of fun. Okay. Anyway, alongside Beverly Knight and Amber Riley, our guest is a part of the musical theater supergroup known collectively as the Leading Ladies. Their debut album, Songs from the Stage, was released in 2017. In addition to being a recording artist with her own debut album, Cassidy, she'll be returning to the stage in May to star in an all-star cast in The Mousetrap. We are delighted to welcome this West End royalty to the pod. Please welcome to drama, Cassidy Cassidy Chanson. Well, I think that's probably the nicest, no, not, not, I hate the word nice, the most sort of wholesome I don't know, like all encompassing. It was just delicious. I was like, who is this person? Oh my God, it's me. It's me. It's me. Live vocals. Thank you. Oh my goodness. You're so welcome, Cassidy. Thank you for being here. I I hope you're not scared, but I'm I've been obsessed with you ever since I first listened to Anne Juliet. That was my introduction to you. And we told you earlier we had Jordan Luke Gage on the pod last summer, but I literally devoted a portion of that podcast to yes. talk about you. And he was probably like why am I here? <laughs> no, he equally gushed. He equally gushed about Cassidy. I love, I adore Jordan. You might have seen that I posted a picture of him and I cuddling on his birthday. Well, not on his birthday this year, but like in the show. And I just, I, I just love him. He's such a gorgeous soul, lovely human being. He lives a five minute walk from me now. Oh, that's so fun. So funny. And he's just, I love him. And I, and not only is he just this, sort of warm kind-hearted sincere heart on sleeve kind of person he's also annoyingly talented like i know so talented and you're like oh god he's got a lot of good qualities he does he's very pretty oh yes extremely now but cassidy don't sell yourself short you are a queen and connor and i worship um we, of course, want to talk about Anne Juliet and everything, but you are an Olivier winner. I am. And it happened in this pandemic. <laughs> I like, like the, I, not the one good thing, but I have to say, like, you know, I could sit here and, uh, you know, I try to be an optimist, you know, and I, and, I, and I am, but it's been hard to stay optimistic this year. And it's very easy to sit and go, this, 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 this was awful. It was just awful. Look how awful it is. And then in the middle of it, but then every time I'm like, yeah, but you want Olivia? And I go, yes, I did. So I really can't completely rant about the year because it was amazing. It wasn't, you know, and, and this is why it's even, even that's hard because for me, and I probably sound like a wishy-washy person, I really think awards are a community thing. It's not about, I mean, obviously it's nice to be acknowledged, but we share those awards. You know, that award was, you know, should have been shared with the director of Dessa Rose because Dessa Rose was technically off West End and he gave me that job opposite Cynthia Revo before she was Cynthia Revo, you know. And, you know, we all did it for Tuppence Apeney a week, you know, and he contributed that because he decided to give me that job. And then the person that I played opposite above the in, in a pub theatre you know, um, Alex, Je- Alexis Gerard, you know, he, he, he and I bonded and he contributed to that Olivier. And we didn't get that moment to go, you know, with a glass of rosé or whatever and take a silly selfie saying, this is partly yours. You, mm-hmm. you help me. This is all on the journey. And it, and I do have disappointment, I suppose, that, 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 that didn't happen. But obviously I have a very weighty Olivier award. It's lovely. 
um, he looks down on me every day. I've got him on this little high shelf in my living room. So whenever I'm working, I can be like, hey, Larry. Well, the thing is, is I completely agree and I understand. It's And especially over the years, you watch those ceremonies and you think, oh, one day, that's the dream to celebrate this. But here's the thing, Cassidy, you will have another one. And that's the silver lining to it all. And you'll have that moment. People keep saying this. I'm like, it's quite a specific set of things that have to happen to get one. <laughs> oh god well you never yeah. know you never know and um, at the moment I, i'm sorry i'm a bit distracted my cat has decided to plonk herself on a random shelf and um and just be really annoying now is, is this jemima or is it what was the other one's name Simba's the other one jemima i think she's um anyway she's distracting me that's okay. That's okay. We're we're not alone here today, Cassidy. We have we have furry friends around us. Now, there is something I'm wondering is are you well? I am very well. I'm very very well. I am um, I've been healthy. I had covid about a year ago when it all happened. And I had COVID before all the symptoms were announced. So I remember I have this uh, Barbara Drennan who played my mum in Beautiful. She has no sense of taste and smell. She lost it when she was a, teen- a teenager in I think a car accident. And um, I had this flu. And then I lost my sense of taste and smell. It was hilarious. And I was like, oh my God, what, that, what is this? And then I called up Barbara going, Barbara, I've lost my sense of taste and smell. Just like you, I can have sympathy now. I finally understand what it's like. And then she went, darling, darling, actually they've just announced that's a symptom of COVID. And I was like, I've got COVID. That is actually the craziest story I've heard from anybody who like got COVID early on and didn't know because you were just like, well, it's just like my friend Barbara. Yeah, my friend Barbara. So um, it was odd. It wasn't like the, I mean, I just remember being very tired, feeling fluey. I had a little tickly cough, but nothing particularly. What else did I have? Maybe a bit of a temperature, but like it was not really a drama. No drama. Mm, We love drama though. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And, you know, the year only, you know, things are only getting better now. The vaccine's rolling out. How is the vaccine happening over in the UK, actually? Have you not heard about our vaccine rollout? No. We are smashing it. We've done like half the country. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. We are killing it. We are killing the vaccination. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Like, I tell you, it's the one thing we got right. I think it's something to do with, something to do with, was because we weren't part of the EU, we had our own sovereignty to just absolutely roll out the vaccines. If we'd have been part of the EU, we would have got tied a lot in a lot of red tape. So the EU were very, very behind, but we've we've killed it. We've already got people, we've got, it's something like a nation of 66 million. Okay. Something like 33 million have had their first dose. Oh, that's great. And five or six million have had their second. So it's it's really good. Wow. Okay. Sorry. This is fascinating to me. You know, Connor is obsessed with vaccines and the COVID of it all. I am. It's been so interesting to me just to see science make such amazing advancements in such a short amount of time. Isn't England or London is lockdown has been lifted, right? We are lifting. So they're sort of doing it in degrees. So on what day are we today? Saturday. So Monday just gone. So 12th of April, we had quite a big lifting because uh, the kids went back to school about a month or so ago and the stats have stayed very low. And then Monday, things, non-essential shops opened and restaurants. Because, um, you know, you worry, I was like, is there going to be consumer confidence for theatre? And apparently every single restaurant is completely booked up for months. And it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure the mousetrap is selling out immediately too. 
think so. Oh my gosh, that's going to be so. So, okay, so explain. So this is just like an eight week gig for yeah. you, right? How fun that you're squeezing this in before hopefully going back to Anne Juliet. I mean, we'll see, right? Well, yeah, yeah, no, Anne Juliet's reopening on the 24th of September. So yeah, it was this perfect little eight week, eight week job. It was eight weeks plus three weeks rehearsal. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. And also, I'm so honoured to be part of the one of the shows that's really taking on a massive, massive risk, which is we're going to open the day the government has said they hope we can open, which is 17th of May. Now, if there's any delay or anything like that, these producers, it's all on them. And we'll have been rehearsing and it's all going to be, you know, financial investment for them. And if we don't open... I think we're going to because the numbers are so low here, like like super, like the lowest they've been since September, like ridiculously low. But really, it's still a massive risk. And um, and uh, we got a nice email from Adam Spiegel, the producer, uh, yesterday or today, just sort of saying he really wants you know to to sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, be part of the solution, you know, show that it's safe to come to theatre and really celebrate what we are. And he really wants to be right at the beginning and for all the good reasons. And it's, you know, we just think, yes, another good producer that's just like doing it for the right reasons. Obviously, everyone on this planet wants to make money. Let's not you know, make any jokes. But aside from that, we, you know, we could all make money, you know, on the stock market we wanted to. We're doing it because we're creatives and it's the nicest way in the world to make money. And um, when you've got a producer that's, you know, it's obviously not all about money for him at the moment. It's about industry, back and strong and pumping and make it safe. So this, if this ever happens again, oh God, hope not. But if it ever happens again, we'll have a way of maybe riding it a little better I mean who knows but I anyway I'm excited I'm so excited too I Connor and I saw that play that was like one of my earliest memories of seeing that play just like locally growing up it's such a fun yes. romp of a time oh my god Dylan do you remember it was like probably a 50 person audience like extremely intimate and we went with our grandmother and our cousin and like because it's the murder mystery mousetrap yeah right? our grandmother she in the middle of it loud as days like shouts to our cousin who do you think did it? Ask your cousins. And we were so mortified. But also it li- has lived on oh, iconically because yeah. we say it all the time, like ask your cousin. But it was a gag. I mean, we were like jaws on the floor, full body chills watching this murder mystery on stage. Like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. We were probably like nine. You know, yeah, it was, yeah. we were so young, but it is amazing. Do, what role are you going to be playing? Have you, have they announced? Yeah, that? Molly. Is she the one who always has a drink in hand? She's she's the wife of Giles. She's the one that owns the hotel. Okay. Oh my God. You're gonna. This is gonna be so amazing. And it's an all star cast as well. And I'm really chuffed because the only person I actually know in the whole production is Danny Mack. I've met him a few times. Um, he did a show with Beverly Knight, so I met him then. And um, he's a really nice lad. So I was like, phew, because obviously you want to know that the guy playing your husband's gonna be nice. And you're just like, okay, Danny sounds a pound. That's gonna be lovely. And yeah, you sort of Google all these amazing actors that are proper thespians and I've done Shakespeare with the Royal Shakespeare Company and acted with Kenneth Branner and all. It's it's great. And I'm like, hi, I'm the jazz hands girl from musical theatre. Hi. Well, you've done modern day Shakespeare with Anne Juliet. Exactly. Exactly. Oh God, I love playing Anne Hathaway. I can't wait to get back to playing her. She's cathartic. She's so mad. She's just, and also, cause you know, the, 
the premise is I play two characters. Yes, she she enters the story at some point. Yeah, right? so she's telling the story, and then this, obviously anyone that's going to come see it now will have the story ruined. But um, I uh, I write myself into the play, and I surprise everybody in, in how I do it, and um, and it's lovely because it's not often you get to play two characters like Lucy the Slut and Kate Monster that was really enjoyable because they're both very 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 polarized people so it's really nice to sort of play opposite oh yeah we are obsessed with Anne Juliet it was like the soundtrack of last summer for us in particular your big number the Celine Dion number Cassidy I listened to that song it was on Connor's like Spotify end of the year like top tracks that he listens to <laughs> literally you your vocals just soar into the heavens I mean I seriously am such a fan of your voice. You, you, you have such a gift. Thank you very much. I, um, yeah, I obviously I was very nervous, sort of getting into big shoes with Celine Dion. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, but first of all, thank you, thank you. I love, I love singing so much, and I, and I, when you get to sing a really good song, it really is. Um, it's just amazing. It's, just a, it's an amazing moment in the show as well. I love it. So Celine Dion, as you may or may not have worked out, she sings it a tone higher, right? Oh, okay. And um, and on a, on a recording, and um, and I remember going up to the um, the uh, musical supervisor, Bill Sherman. He's an American. Bill Sherman. We get on like house on fire. Well, we hate each other. We just speak hate to each other because we love each other, right? <laughs> I love those relationships. You know, like one of those ones, right? And um, I'm like Bill, man. It's eight shows a week. Like Celine sings it, you know, once in a blue moon. <laughs> eight shows a week. That's very high. It's a very high sing. And he was like, mm, you sound great. Mm, you sound great. Mm, you sound great. And I was like, <sighs> and then, <sighs> I was getting really cross. I was going, <sighs> so I went online and I was like, right, how does Celine do it? How does Celine do it live? Googling away. Whenever she sings it live, she sings it a tone down. There it is. She never sings it live. And if she is singing it live, she's miming to a track. You can Google it yourself. And I was like, Bill Sherman, guess what? And the next day he was like, you may sing it a tone down. I was like, yes. So, and that's the way it is on the cast album. Is a tone down from Celine Dion. I had, I wear that with pride. Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. I think it just fits your voice so perfectly. It is so amazing. Because Celine sings it live in that key. So I was like, if it's good enough for Celine live, it's good enough for me. Yes, Absolutely. Oh my God, I love it so much. And I, I, we want to talk all about Anne Juliet and all of the inner workings of the show and everything. But before we get that far, I think we should go back to the beginning because you mentioned that you love singing and you obviously have a recording career as well, but we kind of want to get to the root of that all. What do you say, Connor? Let's do it. We call it our ring of keys moment, that moment of recognition. Cassidy, do you, do you feel that you have one? Right. Now, you've said this is from Fun Home, so I actually don't fully understand. Give me a little rough thing, a little rough, little rough thing for me. In Fun Home, it's the moment she realizes she it's a moment of recognition related to her identity. She's a young girl and she sees this lesbian woman walk into a bar and she's like, wait a minute, I know her. That's that's me. I feel I understand her energy, her vibe. And so we've taken it to be a ring of keys moment when you were like, watching a musical or maybe hearing Celine Dion sing as a as a child or a teen or whatever age it was when you were like I need this in my life forever because that's me okay when did I think okay that's how I vibrate good question good question I hate saying it because obviously now I feel a bit cliche I think it was when I went to see cats and I was like whoa there's all these people dressed up as a cat and they look amazing and it's all like (laughs) 
going on and then one like stuck his head in the, in the is it the naming of cats at the beginning when they're doing that kind of chant oh yes stuck his head opposite me and i was like i think i want to do this for a living like that and so this was like was this the original west end production of cats then it ran for a long time right it ran for a long time it wasn't i was i'm not quite that old <laughs> it was um, it, but it was a long time ago um i was 10 okay 10 or 11 when i saw that and i think that's the moment i kind of went yeah this is this is where I want to go. Like, I want to do the, this vibe for a living. And I'm trying to think if there was another, like, epiphany moment. Like, would you sing around the house and when with your family? Oh, my God. All the time. Apparently, when I was two, I was like, can I do ballet lessons? And my mum was like, and my family aren't musical. Like, my parents didn't really play music. So I don't know where it came from. I'm, I'm not convinced that I'm not a changeling, if I'm really <laughs> If it wasn't for my nose, I would be convinced I, I was from somewhere else. I have my dad's nose. Fairies came and dropped you off. When was the first time someone like noticed your voice and was like, okay, you sound different than the other kids singing off key. Like you are someone who is, you have a gift. You know what? I can't even remember when. I think because I just always sang and sang and sang and sang and sang. And I was always a very loud singer. And I, I just remember... I th- I don't know, like I think at school when everyone was sitting around their desks and we had to learn a song and sing it together, I'd always make sure I sang the loudest. And the teachers would always go, hmm, you're very good, aren't you? And, uh, and I'd be like, yes. You know, when kids don't give a shit, do they? Oh, yeah. When you believe in yourself before other people kind of say, this is hard and you can't do this. You're right. Well done, teacher. I am very good at singing. Well done. Thank you for noticing. Go you. And um, um, yeah, it was just... One of the things in my life, that I think, um, obviously, I think we all have doubts, but like generally, I've always been just like, even if I mess up the dance audition or the or the acting audition, I'm like, it's all going to be fine when I go in and belt my head off. I know it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, I was like, this will be fine. I'll still get in the school, you know, or whatever, you know. So did you do productions then, like musical theatre productions as, as a kid in school? Do you know what? I was supposed to play. This is still a bugbear of mine. I think when I was 12 or 13, I was supposed to play. Dorothy I had this big thing. I auditioned in my secondary school, which I think you call high school, and um, and I was I was given the role of of Dorothy, and I was going to be Dorothy in the school production. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, amazing! And then over the summer, I spent the whole summer when the summer holidays, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Dorothy, I'm going to be Dorothy, I'm going to be Dorothy, or you know, as you do at that age. And then I got back to school, and the teacher said, yeah, we couldn't get the right, so we're going to do a nativity. Oh no! <laughs> Random nativity singer, second from the left devastating you thought you were going over the rainbow i thought i was gonna be the freaking talk of the freaking town a star is born exactly and i was second singer from the left singing activity songs well in a way you did go over the rainbow eventually because you did wicked on the west end in the original company i did i was very proudly i was adina menzel's understudy she's unbelievable she's just so unbelievable and seeing her work ethic eight shows a week was just like Oh, it was gorgeous. And she's so magical on stage. And she's such a beautiful actress, my God. And just her singing Defying Gravity every night, because I was one of the people that had to go, get her, you know. And you're like looking up, just going, oh, you're so amazing. She set a good example. And, you know, you sort of always go, right, as long as I can at least get up there, that's a really good place to sort of aim for, you know? Oh, that's so special. Wow. We love Wicked. We we talk about it any chance we can. But I'm trying to remember, was, was Ollie Thompson the original Fiero in the West End, Wicked? 
This is actually a really nice story. So he was cover Fiero. And um, so we were obviously knew each other back way back then. And we've obviously we've done like a few concerts here and there together, but we've never actually worked together on a musical since then. So it's really nice playing opposite him. He's playing for anyone that doesn't know, he's playing William Shakespeare in and in Anne Juliet. And it's one of those sort of like rites of passage feeling kind of vibe. It's really lovely that we were both very talented then, obviously. And then 15 years later, we get to you know, hone our craft over that time and then come together and be so comfortable with each other. And, and we're both very similar in how we approach things. So we're very generous with each other and just like, what do you need? 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 And um, we get these great moments. I mean, we came up with so many ideas that ble- like the director, I have to say, respect to him. He never let us make an easy choice or a cheap laugh. Even, no matter how funny the cheap, we were like, we've been away for three hours. We've come up with this great way of doing the scene and we'd show it and he'd be like, it's hilarious. It's a cheap laugh. And we'd be like, no, it's really funny. It's so funny. And he's like, it is. It's, it, we can do better. We're like, oh. Wow, that, what a cool way to work that you were given that freedom though, to be able to play. Oh, so much. And I, I know a few times and probably Luke, Luke, the director probably would be just like, yeah, y- your face was like thunder. I was just like furious. I was like, we've worked so hard on this. I can't believe <laughs> you're not going to. And he'd be, I want you to do it like this. And I'll be like, oh, that's so not funny. Oh, it's just not going to be funny. And this is what I loved about Luke. He, it wasn't even like he pushed us. It was that he, he took away the, the easy choices. So we were only left with something spectacular. And I was like, I wasn't even convinced it was going to be funny. And then you put it in front of an audience and then suddenly this, this tiny little moment that he managed to push us to find was so clever, so clever. And you're like, ah, oh, you were right. I hate it. But like when he's right, he's, he's spot on, really spot on. Amazing director, really amazing. Oh, that's so special. And what's cool too, thinking about your relationship with Oliver Thompson, he was one of the people you got to thank in the Olivier speech too. So that's so cool. I love it. Um, now, when you did Wicked, was that your West End debut? Technically. And then it depends if you count the Many Ed Chocolate Factory as West End or not. So, yeah, technically. But I also did Tick, Tick, Boom the year before um, with with your one of your guys, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you were, were you Green Green Dress, the uh, the Come to Your Senses character? I was Come to Your Senses. One. Okay. That's a great song. I don't know if there's a recording of you doing it online, but I need to find it immediately after this recording. There actually is. Okay. Actually really proud of it. I'm like, oh, let's listen back to how I sang that. And I was like, yes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> that was my debut. I lo- Cassie, I need <laughs> you to do a an- another album of all like musical theater covers. You could put Come to Your Senses. That's not a bad shout. I don't know how to, because um, I've got another album that I'm hopefully, that the plan is to do a sort of... Um, Laurel Canyon album because you know my, my tour is all going to be uh, Laurel Canyon songs and a couple of I'm going to write a couple of new songs as well for that amazing and uh, but yeah I think I should it, and like you know I'm glad you, glad you mentioned Come to Your Senses because I'd love to record that like maybe I do all the, all the songs that I or even if I just record them and put them on YouTube or something the people want that because you also have gotten because you've gotten to do a, a like a wide variety of things this is so funny like because you're like you're a goddess you're this and I was like you haven't seen me first thing in the morning. It's pretty scary. If you guys could just, I don't know, like, it's, I feel like you should be like um, magical little people that just pop up and go, you're amazing, Cassie. You never forget it. Goodbye. Have a great day. Whenever I'm having a moment, you just magically pop up. Wait, Cassie, I'm, I'm gagged by your American accent. It's very good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, it's so cute. Okay, I'm going to record some voice memos and just send them to you and you can click them. Like, they'll be labeled like, for when I feel 
sleepy and I'll be encouraging or, you know, when I don't feel like I look good in this outfit, I'll be like, you slay the house down boots, mama. Like, I'll support you. I'll do it. I'll do it unpaid even. Oh, my God. That's a very nice thing to do. Karma will pay you back. That's right. Okay, so and Juliet, as we said, it's our obsession. And I'm so excited it's going to be going back into performances. How early on in the in the process of that musical being developed did you get involved? Not right at the tippity top, pretty early on. So there were, um, there was a, because I did quite a lot of workshops in America, I think. Oh. From what I gather, I think one of the reasons was they needed, because um, the humor is very British, which is weird because yes. it's quite Canadian. So I think the tonality and the the intonations and the intention on the comedy was very Blackadder, very um, Vicar of Dibley. They're two sort of, they're very, very English, the young the young ones, that kind of vibe. And I don't know if it's particularly, Faulty Towers is another one that I think you might have heard of. Mm-hmm. Specific British humour. And I think they went, let's try it in the UK. And also because it's the home of Shakespeare, I think. And I think we sort of just naturally got what the writer was writing, what he meant a bit more than, sorry, Americans. Sorry, Americans. You're very good at other things, but our humor is supreme. Okay, just wanted to clear that up. Culturally, we just smash you. Listen, you can say anything about that because Connor and I are huge Anglophiles, so we just eat up everything British. All things royal family, all of it, everything. Prince Philip's funeral today as well. Oh, yes, that's right. Our condolences to you. Yeah, I know, it's like... Feel for Queenie. They've been together so long. She hasn't been alone since she was a teenager, maybe? Definitely in her 20s, they got married, whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, a long time. And, you know, he really served her, you know. And it was, uh, so yeah, you just think, gosh, how, you know, how's she coping? Anyway, so we did the um, workshops in London and I think it flipped a, a few times. And then I got involved in middle 2018. I was doing chess at the Coliseum, which I loved. What a great musical. And I got asked to do a two week workshop of a new musical. They weren't gonna tell me what it was or who it was or anything because it was all NDA'd. And I was like, oh God, it's gonna be the last week of my show. So I'm gonna be knackered during the day. And I was like, do I do the workshop? And I was like, yeah, fine, I'll do it. I'm so glad I did. We did the first act only I think the first half of the first act only and I I remember I remember we weren't given the scripts until the day of the first reading and I was reading the script and I was fizzing I was like oh my god oh my god this can't be written by an American it's just too English it's too English the humor's too English and I was fizzing I was absolutely fizzing because it's mostly an American creative team Corrigan is um, American musical supervisor is American uh, the orchestrator is American very American team and um and I went up to the director in the interval and I went right who wrote this I said it's not American and he went, um, David West Reed wrote it. And I went, where is he from? And he went, well, he's over there. You can ask him yourself. I marched up. I went, David West Reed, hello, I'm Kirsty Johnson. He's like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm great. Well, where are you from? I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, the, the it is such a brilliant piece overall. Obviously, we've never been able to see it. So I hope that one day we can either make it over there or maybe there'll be a production over here. Although I wonder how the humor would fall. In the, in the States? Well, I mean, we had a lot of American producers and agents and uh, the people of that ilk come over. And yeah, there was talk of like, how would this work? But there was a lot of talk that it would work because we, you guys know Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. we don't know. We, we don't know, but um, it's so funny. Oh yeah. And there's such a history of British musicals coming to Broadway or the States. So I have my fingers crossed. I hope they bring you over and you can win your Tony Award. 
for playing Anne. I love this idea. Have you ever, have you had dreams of coming to Broadway? You could say West End and Broadway are on a par. And, and, and I don't know, like I've heard that people on Broadway desperately want to come to London. Like that feels like a really big big kudos to that and I suppose it's always like the grass is always greener like we're like oh, I've got a Broadway because Broadway is like the other the other us you know like there's such a kinship going on and um yeah I would love lo- the closest I got was I think I sang with a band that I was touring with around America a few years ago called the Jivaces and I sang is it called the Metropolitan sang down there you got so close yeah so very close Broadway was close. So thinking about all the music that's in and Juliet, you obviously get to sing some of the best songs in the whole show. But if you could put another pop song into the show or like another Max Martin tune, do you have anything that you're like, oh, this would be great? Oh, wow. That is a good question. Well, I tell you what I will say. I don't believe you. That that song. Pink, a pink song, right? Yeah. It used to be in the show. And Jordan Luke. Oliver Tomset used to sing it, right? <gasps> Are you kidding me? That would have been amazing. I know, right? That's sort of a hidden gem pink song. And it was such a beautiful moment in the show, but it got cut. And I was like, oh, I put that back in. Anyone on here who's watching has never heard Oliver Tomset sing. There's probably three or four male singers. Because, you know, like as a female, you have more of a of a comparison with other female singers. You compare yourself to male singers. There's Jordan Luke Gage... Oliver Tomset, Ricardo Alfonso, and John Irwin Jones. Those four guys, I'm just like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> like, their voices are so insane. And they're all unique, too. Mm. And I would, I would really push people to Google Ricardo Alfonso as well. He just sang Judas um, and Jesus Christ Superstar. It's what he, his voice is worth the ticket alone, and and the cast is sensational. But his voice is unfucking believable. And then back to my Oliver, back to my Oliver Tomset voice, golden honey tones, golden honey tones, and he just sounded gorgeous singing. I don't believe you. Oh, it's so lovely, so lovely. Oh, I'm I am so thankful for these live vocals today, Cassidy. <laughs> um, before we jump into our final segment, I do have to ask about your experience of closing beautiful on the West End. That is one of my favorite musicals because, you know, with jukebox musicals, there's two routes. There's the route of the life story and then there's the route of the original story. And I think Anne Juliet is like up there with Mamma Mia is like the really great way of having an original story, you know, a redux on Romeo and Juliet though. And beautiful, I think, is the the gold standard for that linear story about a star's life. What was that experience like? I loved playing Carol King. It's, it's one of those roles where for whatever reason, it was everything it was all my strengths. There was everything I was good at. There was a, only a couple of things that challenged me, r- really. And I, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I was like, there's plenty of things I find very hard most of the time. Right? So this was this gift of a role. You know, it paid well. It gave me lots of good press. I loved doing it. It suited my voice. I felt confident in the acting. It was, it really just, it was such a nice fit. You know, it was like when someone gives you a, a, a fitted glove. So when it, when it ended... I was so devastated and I thought I thought I would be like bereft for weeks. I had a good cry on the last night and then I was fine. I'm so weird. I wish I was that way. But I was a mess. Like there's there's video of me on the on the stage and I'm just like <laughs> It was sad. I thought the show deserved a longer run because it was selling okay. We were doing all right. Um, and also I I knew because I didn't tell anyone. I knew that the leading ladies album was about to happen and I was like 
oh gosh, that's really going to bring some extra marketing to the show that I'm in, you know, because we're going to get a lot of publicity. And I just thought, oh, that's really going to help Beautiful. And then it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. It could have helped each other too, you know. And Carol came to see you in the show, right? Yeah. If you ever want to Google, like, what abject shock, terror and surprise is actually on someone's face, just Google Carol King walking on stage. And and I didn't know my face could make those expressions. You had no idea she was coming? No, not a clue. We were told it was a gala night. So it, there was some press in and to stay on stage afterwards, sort of going back to our dressing rooms and that there were going to be cameras. So that's, you know, so we we're just like, cool, it's a gala night. We'd had them before. And then uh, the band are supposed to try, uh, strike up in the final bows and they didn't. And I remember looking at the band thinking, what the hell? It's a gala night, guys. Why are you not playing? <laughs> like, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And then everyone suddenly starts this sort of this kerfuffle to the left. And I look over and I'm like, Who's... <gasps> like your life flashes before your eyes. You're like, oh my God, it's, it's her. Was I good? Oh God, I think I would. And then literally your whole show in about a second, you're like, that was okay, that was okay, that was okay, that was okay. That was good. I did that good. That was good, that was good. To... Okay, I think it was okay, right? And he was like, <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, okay, I really, all I've ever hoped is that she patted me on the back and went, good job, kid. I'd have been really happy with that. She like hugs me close to her, says extraordinary compliments in my ear at which point you see my face unable to comprehend anything more <laughs> of that. Oh, I'm, I'm crying at the same time and I'm just like you can just see me going I can't take this I don't know how to take this I don't know how to it's really funny and that's all on camera all of it on camera oh my god I'm gonna have to look it up that, that that's so special so I mean starstruck is one word but it's also this layer of you just played this person's saddest and like highest highs and lowest lows on stage were you totally starstruck i completely starstruck i just didn't know what yeah. to do i didn't know what to do like what do you do like you're embodying and living her life eight shows a week it's such a bizarre sort of connection with someone yet you don't know her i met her once because i sung with her at hyde park at that point it's not like you sit down and have a cup of tea with her you know what i mean so it was a, a very odd it was a very odd but as I said, she said, oh, God, it still gets me it gets me now. She said, um, when Cassidy sang Natural Woman, she was who I was. She felt what I felt. She was me. And she literally brought me to tears with her rendition of that song. And she's saying this and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. It was the most overwhelming thing. And I, I still can't believe she said that, actually. I still can't believe she said that. Oh, my. I have full body chills hearing you tell me that I, that I've actually I've watched videos of you singing natural woman on YouTube as you know I'm a say it with me fan and um you do you 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 are sensational I love that we always share a clip of uh our guests singing on our Instagram maybe we'll have to do one of you singing natural yeah. woman because I think our listeners and um followers will love that um, okay, so we are very sadly coming to the end of our of our Saturday evening chat, and we like to end on a dose of drama. We like to share the drama in our hearts, whether it be something we've been binge watching, something that's been going on in the world, in our lives, anything you want to promote, rant, rave about, anything at all. And I am feeling dramatic about something today, because in the States, one of my favorite TV shows, The Real Housewives of New Jersey, its season is coming to an end, and I am emotional as hell about it, because I, I never thought that it would be... These women from Jersey who would speak to my soul in the way that they do, but they, they, I just love watching them get drunk and hang out on the shore and their men are around and their kids. And I'm always like sobbing and laugh, oh, laugh, laugh, laughing and just enjoying them and the different 
interconnected storylines. They're seeing psychics. They're sending off tributes to deceased relatives. It is everything you could possibly need in life. And I'm sad as hell. And if if you're thinking, oh, I, sh- I don't know if I'd really like The Real Housewives from New Jersey, take my word for it. You will love it. Gold star review right there. I would never have normally even glanced at it, but now I'm like, I might. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you which seasons are good. Some of the seasons you can skip. Do you, do you always have anything like, or you have like Geordie Shore and stuff like that over there? I guess that's a little bit more wild. Yeah, but there's a few things. Geordie Shore. Uh, yeah, a few things like that. The other thing, my obsession is Gogglebox. Do you have that in America? Wait, what? Say that again? Gogglebox. Never heard of it. Oh my God. Now, I think they have it in America, but the English one, it's, it's basically people being filmed watching TV. Now, when I heard about this, I went, that's horrendous. What's happening to culture? And super judgy, 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 right? And then I was like, I'm not going to watch that. That's just such bad. That's just art is falling. Because I'm such a, I love art. I love art, 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 art. Theater, drama, actors, singers. I love it, right? Musicians. And I'm, like, I'm not watching just regular people watching TV. How boring will that be? It's hilarious. It's so funny it's probably one of the few things i watch on terrestrial tv it is hilarious it's hilarious because they've managed to pick people that have banter for days and they are and the relationships between the people when they're talking about what they're watching it literally can bring you to tears they're so funny their comments their commentary on what they're watching is anyway there you go i'll have to look into it because i i have heard of a show in the states where Two drag queens named named Trixie Mattel and Katya will watch Netflix. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with them. They're from RuPaul's Drag Race, but and it's like a funny thing where it's like them watching, you know, odd episodes of TV shows. And I'm always like, mm, why? I'd rather just watch the show, you know. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised at how funny it is. I love it. Would you was that? Would you say that's your dose of drama for today? Yeah. Okay, I love it. Love it. Dylan, do you have one? Do you have a dose of drama? I do. It's just that everyone over here got to see an advanced screening of the In the Heights movie musical. And I'm so jealous of everyone who's gotten to see it. And everyone's then, you know, posting online that they got to see it. And I'm remembering now that whole aspect of theater going where people will see a show first and they'll tweet about it like, you must go see this show. And it's like, you know, only had a short run or something like that. And it's it's that whole thing of like, oh, I saw Hamilton at the public theater before it went to Broadway, or I saw this off Broadway and it or I saw Great Comet in the tent before it went to Broadway. You know, there's that whole thing. People loved saying I saw Great Comet in the tent. Mm-hmm. They loved that. Didn't Anne Juliet play in Manchester or somewhere like that before it went to Broadway? It's- Do people say that? They're like, I saw it in Manchester first. Some people have, and they're like, well, it was a little bit different in Manchester. And they're right, because it did change a little bit from Manchester. I think it's the equivalent of like a San Francisco or a Chicago tryout that goes to Broadway. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Very that. So it, it, it makes me laugh and jealous all at once, but I can't wait to, to, to hear people bragging about live theater again soon. Oh, God, it's almost too much, too much, isn't it? Like that feeling of um, opening the doors to actually shared experiences again mm-hmm. with live theater. It's, it's oh. Oh yeah, it's going to be amazing. And I'm so excited that you'll be one of the first ones ushering in this new era of theater doing the mousetrap. Yeah, we open May 17th and I'm in it till the 11th of July. And then I have a little break and then I go into Anne Juliet. I'm trying to think of anything else that's worth mentioning. Well, of course your album is out. My album Cassidy's out, which, yeah, it's funny. Do you know what? It was out two years ago. Um, so I thought I stopped talking about it, but it is, and all, all you can Leading Ladies Songs from the Stage, which is another album I was on. Yeah, Cassidy, I'm really, really proud of that. Did you ever see the movie Fisherman's Friends? No. Never. So I got a song on that film, which is a Brit flick a couple of years ago, which I, I, I 
thrilled with because it was a it was a sort of jazzy jazzy song on, on that uh, film that's on my album as well um carol king gifted me a song an unreleased song so that's on my album and i co-wrote about half the songs on my album and i'm i got to number two in the country charts it's not really a country album but i will i'll, I'll take it i'll take i'll take the uh statistics. is it kind of like folky like um like canyon type tunes then folky nora jones vibe uh carpenters uh some fleetwood mac influences as well so it's very oh. put it on there's a couple of nice car driving tunes on there as well sort of like warm summer rain oh my goodness i love it heaven i love it everyone check out cassidy's album cassidy and follow her on twitter and instagram at cassidy jansen right it's just your it's just your name super easy amazing and of course everyone should follow us at the drama podcast follow me at dylan mcdowell and follow connor at connor mcdowell cassidy you are a delight this was so fun and i'm just very thankful that you took the time to chat with us today i'm really thankful you asked me i really am this has been so lovely i I love doing these so thank you for actually doing this regularly for people to listen to and get some entertainment in this crazy crazy time thank you oh my goodness thanks for saying that yeah everyone needs a little drama every now and then you know all right connor i'll see you next time Drama. drama